And now, we're going back into the magic. Please welcome Dr. Reverend Patrick Cameron. See, I don't have to, then I have to go in the back and get a hug afterwards. I got it right there, so I'm good. <laughs> I know it does. Oh, welcome. And uh, I'd like to invite you to sing a song and we'll say a prayer. And if you'd like to stand while we do that, the words will be up on the screen behind me. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit in this very room in this very room in this very room so I invite you to know with me in this moment this perfect moment this is the eternal moment right here and right now and so I just give thanks in the recognition of that one life, that one power, that one, of, one beautiful vibration of the Most High that animates all of life, in and through and as each and every one of us. And I see it everywhere I look. There's not a spot where God is not. And I recognize that and I declare my union with it, that one life I claim as my own. And in that choosing, it chooses me. And I know there's an opening in a space. And so I stand in great gratitude today. Gratitude for so many things. For healthy lungs and a, and a healthy body that carries me upon this planet. For friendship, for learning, for the ability to read. I thank all of the teachers that spend hours teaching me to read and to count and to multiply. All of those skills that I use every day. I am so grateful. So much to be grateful for. And as I express my gratitude for that which I appreciate it appreciates so for this I give thanks I know every good thing necessary for you and I to experience in this moment is already a, a complete idea in the mind of God and as we open ourselves to that awareness and that connection I know that it informs instructs inspires resources and supplies us in every good way and that is enough this day is complete in every good way I give thanks for this moment for life for love for God and together we say, and so it is. Thank you, bro. Awesome, awesome. We've been using Rhonda Burns' book uh, um, this month called The Magic. And it's a wonderful book. The Magic, if you've purchased the book, we have them in the bookstore. They're $10. It's a wonderful little book, simple little practices. But The Magic is really gratitude. Gratitude... It's sort of like putting steer manure on whatever it is that you're uh, attempting to grow. It'll grow, if you've ever worked with steer manure. 
And in alignment with that, I wanted to begin a discussion. I've got a couple of beautiful quotes that I brought with me today. One is from Mark Nepo's book, The Book of Awakening, from June 7th. And we used it last year as our book of the year. It's a wonderful book, and and to go back and and, and continue to read it. And it sits on our our table at home as one of the books we look at every day. Uh, In June 7th, the title is We All Spill Soup. And the quote is from the Hindu sage Rama Maharishi. Wanting to reform the world without discovering one's true self is like trying to cover the world with leather to avoid the pain of walking on stones and thorns. It's much simpler to wear shoes. Wanting to reform the world without discovering one's true self is like trying to cover the world with leather to avoid the pain of walking on stones and thorns. It is much simpler to wear shoes. And there's another beautiful quote that I found from Margaret Sanger. I don't know if you're familiar with Margaret Sanger, but Margaret Sanger changed the world. Uh, She was a woman at a very early age that realized she grew up in a family uh, with a lot of children. And she she became aware of, um, at the time when she was coming up and she was was awakening in consciousness, she realized that for many, motherhood was a form of entrapment and slavery. And she didn't, she wanted to change that. And so her, her mission and her cause throughout her life was to, to bring, give birth to a new idea on the planet. And eventually she founded Planned Parenthood. And she fought courageously for years until her death for women's rights. But one of the quotes that she said she was greatly influenced by when she was a young girl was this from, a, it's an old Indian proverb, East Indian proverb, which she said inspired me in the work of my adult life. So the, the, the quote is, build, beyond, build thou beyond thyself. Build thou beyond thyself. But first be sure that thou thyself be strong and healthy in body and mind. And then she continues, yes, to build, to work, to plan, to do something, not for yourself, not for your own benefit, but beyond thyself. And when this idea permeates the mind, you begin to think in terms of a future. And so she saw a world that, that was more compassionate and loving and understanding. And her, her vision statement was that, that, that people would choose to have children rather than just simply re- reproduce, that, that to have a child was a choice, and that children were wanted. I saw something that came across my emails this week about, in our culture, I didn't know this, and I, I had to check it because I thought it was just staggering, but one out of three young girls... Uh, alive today will be a victim of, of some form of, of abuse, and one out of six young men. And I think it's, it's indicative of people uh, not being awake to life. I was just, I was, I was shocked when I read that. And so I think it's important. I think the work that we do is, is, is not just to take our spirituality to the world. And as we, as we crack open and as we become more and more aware of what the world looks like and what, what and, and to, to look, what we do is we direct our faith intentionally through affirmative prayer and through our meditation, through contemplation and looking at our lives and, and the reflection. And, and our, our opportunity then is to, to take ourselves into the world in a new way. So that we are part of the new conversation, as Margaret Sanger said, and then we look to the future in a new way. And that's our opportunity. And for me, it's, a, it's such an honor. I'm so grateful to be able to be part of this, this idea and this group, these, the group of cultural creatives that are on the planet right now that, that want the world to work for everyone. And where there's lack and limitation to address it in some way, shape, or form, where there's abuse going on to realize, you know, we don't do that anymore. 
You know, when the, the guards came to take Jesus away in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and I think it was Peter pulled out the sword and cut the, the, one of the soldiers, centurion's ears off, and, he, and supposedly the story goes that Jesus held his hand up, put the ear back on, and said, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. So the lessons are there, and it's for us to wake up to that. Mark Nepo, in his reading after this, um, and I think it's really important we talk about the magic in our lives and, and how, we, how we filter things, how we experience things. And I think this is a really key um, idea to address. What he says is everyone personalizes and projects. Every one of us personalizes and projects. We just do it. We're, we're wired for it, and I'll, and I'll expand on it and explain what he means by that. Personalizing is mistaking, mis- mistaking what happens in the world as always having to do with you. An extreme example would be when a child doesn't do her homework and learns the next day that the plane went down in Dallas. She somehow believes that she was responsible. You ever had those experiences where something happens and we feel responsible? It's called personalizing. I used to do it all the time when I was, a, when I was younger. A more common adult version of this and less extreme is when your partner comes home sullen and moody and immediately believe, and you believe it's your fault. You don't even have the information yet, but you believe, oh, I, I must have caused this. Done that one. Now, projection is, projecting is the reverse. It occurs when we place the thing that happened in us onto the world around us. So it's going on within us, and all of a sudden we project it out. And he gives examples of that. Often, unknowingly, we attribute our fears and frustrations to others. Rather than accept my own anger, I see you as angry. A, general, a generalization example would be that I'm afraid of dogs. I protect my children from dogs, and without asking how they feel about dogs, I keep them away from dogs too. A subtler example of this is when someone is crying, and we say there's no need to be upset because we are uncomfortable with all the emotion. Or when we keep asking another person if they're okay, when it is we who are not okay. And so we all do this. We can all take a deep breath and say, okay, I've done that. If there's anybody here who hasn't had an experience with that, let me know now. I'll write Mark Nepo and let him know. We don't all do this. But he said the truth is, is that no one can avoid personalizing or projecting. There are only those of us who are aware of it. And those of us who are not. And only thus, those of us who own it when it happens. And those of us who don't. But this difference is crucial. Not owning these things can end relationships. Owning them can deepen relationships. In a beautiful conversation with someone going out the door about a, a, a conversation we had in class. And I just said, I'm so grateful that you came to talk to me. I don't remember any of it. I had no energy around it at all. It was just a conversation that was going on in one of the classes I was uh, facilitating. But I said, what an honor for you to come and have this conversation with me because her whole story around it was completely different. And I said, the wonderful thing about this is now our relationship deepens. And now our relationship becomes more authentic. And then and, and I said, so it's a gift to me and it's a gift to you. So it was just, it was lovely. Mark Nepo finishes up by saying, humans have spilled soup for eternity and generations and have made excuses saying, it was the earth, the earth shifted. That's why I spilled the soup. Or, they will, or, or generations have secretly thought he meant to do it. If you want to save the world, then you'll spill soup. And when you spill soup, simply say, I'm sorry, I spilled the soup. It makes it so much easier. We went um, 
And so this idea of magic and how it ties in with gratitude. When we, but when we find ourselves projecting or personalizing, it becomes difficult to be in the gratitude. And, and so what we are, with spiritual practices to pull us out of those mindsets. Because if we all fall into the trap of projection or personalization, it's very difficult to move that, that our mind focus from that into something more interesting and something that lifts us up in a, in a vibration. You know, you know, the Christ consciousness. But when we stay stuck in that, um, those stories we're making up, it's impossible. In this, in this chapter on magical relationships... Rhonda Burns suggests that we make counter... First of all, she starts out by saying, count your blessings. Make a list of 10 blessings. Write why you're grateful and reread your list at the end of each blessing saying thank you. And this is the part of this. This is like the steer manure. Anything we bless grows. That's what gratitude is in this planting season. I have a project going on at home. I've had it going on for months. And what I did is I put a bunch of posts in the ground where I had these trees. We took these trees out and... and uh, and then I ran out of energy. I took a couple of weeks off because it was... I, one day I did a talk. I said, I have two PhDs, which I'm in a post hole digger. And someone on the podcast thought I said I had two PhDs. Said, what university did you have them from? I said, what are you talking about? She said, you said you had two PhDs. And I was standing here with a red and a green post hole digger at the time. And there they were. But it didn't translate non-visually. So to be careful. But anyway, um, I was so, it was a bit of a work in progress when I had time at work on it. And one of the neighbor finally walked over to me and said, I just love what you're doing. Just love what you're doing. What are you doing? <laughs> I said, well, I'm building over these trees that, that we took down and they, the stumps were ground. And I, I, just, I said, I'm building little decks and I'm going to put my, my potted flowers on there. And they're going to, you know, they're, they're little, so, hmm, wow. I love that. So it's kind of like art. You're doing art. I said, yeah, I'm doing art. That's what I'm doing. The mystery solved. But everybody in the neighborhood has come by to ask me what I'm doing. And, and, and a while, after a while, I didn't know what I was doing. I said, oh, I got posts in the ground. I don't know what I'm going to build yet, but something. So anyway, she talks about the, uh, making and counting your blessings every day, 10 blessings. And this week, she said, choose three of your closest relationships and collect a photo of each person. And with the photo in front of you, write five things you're most grateful for about each person. Five things you're most grateful for about each person. Beautiful, simple practice. Five things you're most grateful for in this, for each person. Yesterday, Laura and I went, we went to the movies. We haven't been to the movies in a long time. And we went to the movies to see the best exotic marigold hotel for the elderly and beautiful. Have you seen it? Wasn't that a great movie? I just thought that was so well done and so well written. And I thought about projection and personalization, if you've seen the movie. And all the characters, the, wonder, the wonderful characters in that movie. Um, first of all, the, um, Tom Wilkinson pl- plays Graham, and he's a retired judge. They're all from England, and it's very interesting. They're all from England, and they're all sort of retired. And they've all, they've all had experiences, which is so perfect in life, because... Life never comes out the way you think it's going to come out. Life, things happen. And so here are all these people that, that have, are, they come together, and a number of them chose to go to, so uh, let me back up. Um, they're all in England. They're all at a point where they want to retire. Some have money. Most don't. And there's this ad that they all come across, which is advertising, this wonderful, the best exotic marigold hotel in the world. And it's these beautiful pictures, and it shows that it's this beautiful temple and, and all this beauty. And um, so for a variety of reasons, they all travel together. They come together as a community. 
And they get there, and the hotel doesn't look anything like it does in the picture because it's been photoshopped. And the young man who runs it, his name is Sonny, who is the young man from uh, Slumdog Millionaire. And he says, uh, uh, one, of the la- <laughs> one of the ladies says, you photoshopped this. And he said, well, you know uh, what I say, everything is going to be all right in the end. And if things aren't all right, it means it isn't the end. And so they're, they're, they're quite startled to get there and see the conditions, but their, their, their interaction with it was just um, remarkable. Graham is a retired uh, judge, and he has, he has uh, his issue was not wealth. His issue was he traveled there to find a long-lost love. So it's a wonderful thing, and he knows that he, needs to, he wants to find this person. Wonderful part of the story, and, and I didn't talk about this the first uh, um, service, so don't tell those guys if you see them later. But, but Graham, um, uh, his character is gay. And so when Graham traveled to, uh, he wanted to go back and find this young Indian boy that he fell in love with when they were young. And they had fallen asleep mistakenly. And when they awoke, the family discovered it. And his family was disgraced, and they had to move, and they lost everything, and he did nothing. So he carried with him for years and years and years this sorrow and sadness, and he wanted to... He wanted to make amends, and he wanted to reach out and connect with this person. So here's the story that he's making up. Here's the personalization that he's got going on in his life for 40 years. And he finally, he keep, every day he goes down to the, to the uh, records office, and he's put, putting in a request, and they ask him to put in a new request every day, even though it's the same request. He has to fill out the paperwork. Anyway, they, he finally finds this, part, this man he loved, and the man is happily married, this beautiful woman, and the woman knows all about the relationship. They were, it was an arranged marriage, and, and, and uh, it's just so beautiful when they meet and they hug. And he tells them, you know, I've had a beautiful life. My life's been beautiful. There hasn't been any of the problems that you've thought were going on. And, and it's such an example of how we can have an experience, and then we start to create the story, and, and we start to personalize it in a way, and to carry that, carry it for 40 years. And, and all of that energy that went into the mourning and the sorrow and the sadness and that, you know, the, the projection about what became of their lives because of this, this, uh, um, this event. But none of it was true. But it's such, all the, and all the characters in this movie had such wonderful parts to play in it. It's just a wonderfully written and, and acted uh, portrayal. And at one point, Graham is sitting with Jean. Now, Jean does not like being there at all. Jean will not go out of the hotel room. In fact, her, her, her activity for several days is to just simply sit in the hotel room and, and give names to all the cockroaches. <laughs> and she said to Graham, who had lived in India as a young man, who was the retired judge and had, had this, uh, this young man as his lover, and he said, what do you find interesting here? And he said, well, these people don't think life is a right. They think life is a privilege. And so they delight in everything. And so he said, what I love is I love the colors, and I love the, I love the sunlight, and I love the, the smiles. But he embraced it. He just he embraced the culture. And he was so happy to go back, and Jean could, could never step into that. She was there with her husband, Doug. They had lost everything. They invested money with their daughter, and they lost everything. And so they were forced economically to do this. And she just could not, she couldn't open her heart to the experience. But isn't that true of so many people that you know? You know people like that. All those characters in that movie are, are, are us at some level. 
All right, so the, all of those are the potentials within me. Maggie, who goes there to have a hip replacement because she it's, it's much less costly, loves the idea of not spending so much on, on having a hip done, but cannot tolerate anyone that is not uh, the same color as her. So anyone of color, anyone from a different culture, she does want nothing to do with that. And so where does she go? She goes to India to have her hip replaced. And her whole life, and, and, and it's, it's just wonderful to watch her heart crack open and for her to connect with people. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful example of what's possible to go from one entrenched position to something to completely different. Just beautiful story. And Evelyn, who's portrayed by uh, Judy Dench, and she's, she's sort of the narr- narrator through the whole thing. Um, you know, such a wonderful actress. And she says, India is like life itself. It's what you bring to it. India is like life itself. It's what you bring to it. She said, India hits you like a wave. And if you resist it, you'll be knocked down. But if you dive into it, you'll be all right. Muriel in her wheelchair with the, the hip replacement. Her eyes began to open to the beauty around her. And there's Norman. Norman's there. He's the aging Lothario. He's looking for his next female conquest. And, um, and isn't that true? Do, do you know anybody like that? We all know somebody like that. And then there's Madge. And Madge is there. She's looking for another husband. She has money. She's just looking for a husband. It's a story about the magic of relationships. How, you know, our, our, our gardener here, Bruce, when he does the flowers, we get into the wonderful conversations. And he talks about Bruce doesn't have a car, so he takes the bus everywhere. And he tells me over and over and over again all the wonderful people he meets on the bus. I feel like getting on the bus and riding around with Bruce every day. He says, we all have these deep... He says, you wouldn't believe it. We have all these deep spiritual conversations. I said, well, do you think, Bruce, it might have something to do with you being spiritually deep? Well, maybe. <laughs> Not to just cope. But this story is it's the, the shift in perception and projection from... And personalization from coping to thriving. The light, the color, the smiles. And Judy Den says something really powerful at the end. She said, the only failure is not trying. The only failure is not trying. The only failure is not trying. And success is how we deal with the disappointment. Because none of it ever turns out the way we plan. We teach an intentional faith. We teach about setting intention and moving in a certain direction. But it never unfolds exactly the way we plan. And as Maggie Smith says in the movie, it usually turns out a lot better. And I thought, what a, what a powerful, powerful story of people coming together. So here's Bruce, gets on the bus every day, and he has a community he's riding with. Here's the people in this movie. They become a community. Here we are as a community. We have all these great people who have gone before us. There's people along the walls here that have changed the world. And I was reading the story of Margaret Sanger and what she went through to fight for the rights of a, a, a new idea, a bigger idea around conscious, conscious parenting, loving conscious parenting so that the child is welcomed in a way that's powerful and wonderful. And that's what we're called to with, with, our, with our, our teaching. And it's not just coming in and doing an affirmative prayer and, and, and demonstrating something. It's really about helping change the, the quality of life in every way, shape, and form so that everyone can thrive and not just cope. But if we, don't, if we don't allow ourselves to connect with those ideas and connect with that love that we are, that Christ consciousness that, we, that lives and moves and has its way in us, it's, it becomes very difficult. I was uh, looking for something to 
share with you today, and, and I, I was pu- pulled open my, my Science of Mind textbook. And in the back of this book by Dr. Ernest Holmes, he's over on the wall there. He's our founder, wonderful man, mystic, scholar, writer, self-educated. I think he made it to grade nine back in the 1880s. He has some wonderful meditations for self-help in the book here. And in one on page 515, he calls it divine companionship. He said, I have an inner friend who walks and talks with me daily. He is not afar off, but is within me, a constant companion. I shall never become lonely, for my friend is always near. I have to speak. I have but to speak, and he answers. Before ever my lips spoke, he took me of his love. Oh, my kind friend, how dear to me is thy presence. When we read that, and the back of this book is full of them. I don't know how many there are. I should count them one day. But just, just beautiful little phrases, one after another after another. Just beautiful. But all of this, and when we come together and, and, and the music captures this and, the, and we step out of that, our projections and our personalizations for a moment to connect with that, that higher vibration that, that, that is available to all of us, we're transformed and the world is transformed. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. When I, I saw that thing on the email about children, I, it just broke my heart. I thought, this can't be true. This can't be true. And t- today, in, in the world today. But it's a statistic that's alive. And so like Margaret Sanger, I feel like Margaret Sanger in this. It's, a, it's about an opportunity to be in the world in a different way. And that's what we're called to. To, to go beyond ourselves. To be of service. But we all do it. We're all at different places, and we're all, but that is our possibility. That's our opportunity. And what I know about it is it's much easier to do it in community. It's much easier when I'm with you and I'm reminded of the beauty. When I'm, when I'm on my own, I make up all kinds of stuff. You know, it's like the, the, the community of Bruce on the bus. It's like the p- people in the Marigold movie. We become a family, we become a community of consciousness. And then we, we support and resource and inspire one another through the small and large things. I came across a story this week of a man that said that he was going down the line of traffic and, the, and everything stopped and he couldn't understand it because it was a road he traveled every day. It was a two-lane road and there was no signals. The next thing was a clover leaf up ahead and there was no stops there. But he said traffic stopped and he said it was about two or three minutes and he couldn't figure it out. A big, long line of cars. And he looked up and he saw, he looked and he saw that up ahead and the cars were coming the other, the other direction a lot of them real fast because it was rush hours about 4.30 but he said all of a sudden those cars stopped and he looked out his window and he looked up and he saw way up in the distance he saw this great big 18 wheeler tractor trailer making a left and then all of a sudden his lane started to move slowly but he was so far back you know how it takes a little time to catch up and he said and then all of a sudden this guy came driving down in the other direction with this great big smile on his face and it was the guy that had actually stopped to let the 18-wheeler make a left so everybody in his lane could get going again. And he said this guy was grinning from ear to ear and everybody was waving and thanking him in gratitude. 
But you know, it, it, sometimes it takes so little to connect at that level of gratitude and appreciation. You know, maybe as Mother Teresa said, not we all cannot do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Sometimes to let the guy make the left in front of us that frees up everybody that's trapped is a wonderful blessing that allows somebody to get to a hospital or get somewhere where they need to be to pick up their kids or to make an appointment or whatever it may be. But it's those things. When we're mindful and we're aware and we can see beyond our own self-interest to a, a, a bigger possibility for everybody, it's a blessing. This is how the blessing, this is how God shows up in the world. So what I want to do today is I, would, I want to invite um, Reverend Catherine to come on up and anybody else that, um, Sue, are you coming up again? Well, I want to sing a song. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to invite you to stand. The, the words are going to go up on the screen. We haven't done this in a while, but this is a way for us to help one another turn left. It's, it's called You Are the Face of God. And there's some hand movements. It's a mudra. So as you stand and you look at me, I'll, I'll, I'll do it as best I can, but you are the face of God. I hold you in my heart. You are a part of me. You are the face of God. You are the face of God. I hold you in my heart. You are my family. You are the face of God. Here we go. You are the face of God. I hold you in my heart. You are a part of me. You are the face of God. You are the face of God. I hold you in my heart. You are my family. face of God. That's great. Now, turn across the aisle and look somebody in the eye and sing it to them. You are the face of God. I hold you in my heart. You are a part of me. You are the face of God. of God I hold you in my heart you are a part of me you are the face of God beautiful beautiful give your partner a hug sweet and so it is. You're right.